Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I hope you all speak in tongues in this place, but I believe in the language of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I believe in the power of God. And what I want to talk to you about tonight um, is something that's very dear to my heart. And let me just go ahead and read this passage of Scripture. It's the Great Commission in Mark 16. And then um, we'll go from there. I'm talking about, the, actually the title of this is My Journey into Power Ministry. My Journey into Power Ministry, Mark 16. And um, in Mark 16, verse 15, he says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. I want to ask you the question, when did God divorce the Great Commission from manifestations of power? When did that happen? I don't know when that ever happened, but many people think it did. There's a talk about touching the world, reaching the world, you know, with our witness, with our outreach programs, uh, you know, all the, the things that the church does, uh, but not much talk about the power. But the Great Commission is the document that, that, that drives everything that we do. If you want to look at one thing, one statement that says why we exist, this is why we exist. That's it. We don't exist, you know, for men's meetings and women's meetings and, you know, and dinners and, you know, whatever. Um, we exist to go to the world, preach the gospel, and have it accompanied by signs following, signs and wonders following. And you can't divorce the signs and wonders from the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason I say this, and just bear with me as a moment as I just kind of pour my heart out to you about this, one of my great passions wherever I go is, is born out of something God spoke to me a handful of years back where he said, Rick, for the rest of your life, uh, this passage of scripture will define a, a part of what your assignment is. It's Psalm 71 where David said, he said to God, he said, God, when I was young, you taught me. And even now I declare your marvelous deeds. But when I am old and gray, do not forsake me till I de until I declare your power to the next generation. And God told me, he says, I'm giving you an assignment to declare and demonstrate the power of God to the next generation. Because I am concerned that we raise up a generation of young people who don't know the power of God, who haven't seen 
the manifestations and demonstrations of signs and wonders, the things that God can do. You know, if young people grow up hearing a message, but not seeing the evidence of that message, they will very easily ignore that message later on as they grow up. Are you with me now? When I was a kid, I grew up in Pentecost. And when, as I, you know, went to university and I kind of strayed from all of that, the things that dogged my trail were not the messages as I, I heard, as, as great as they were, it was the evidences of power that I had seen when I was a young kid. Now, what I want to just say is, listen very carefully as I build this case. This is so important. Look, I get, you know, here I am down on my knee, you know. You, your pastor said that, um, that this is my whatever, my, what did you call it? My signature move. I'm on my knee. Why do I go on my knee? It's like when I'm on my knee, I'm appealing to you to please understand this. Then I guess maybe to get out of my preaching mode and help you understand, this is just somebody that's a father who wants to tell you this is what's important and this is how life is to be lived. Are you with me now? And, you know, the thing is, is that do you realize that, well, let me just say it this way, it irritates me that today in our world, the world calls like the Lutherans, the, the Baptists, the Episcopalians, you know, the Methodists, they call, you know what they call them? They call them mainline historical denominations. And that irritates me. You know why? It's because by signifying them as that, they're saying, if you want to see what the mainstream of Christianity is, here's what it is. And if you want to go back and see what historical Christianity, here's what it is. It's the Episcopalians, the Presbyterians, the Methodists, nothing against them. But we know that all of those groups do not believe in the manifestations of power. Y'all with me now? And the thing is, and then they look at us Pentecostals or Charismatics or Spirit-filled, whatever you want to call yourself, they look at us as the Johnny-come-latelys, you know, like we're a fringe group that we've come along later in life, like a hundred years ago, something happened and all of a sudden the Pentecostals were born. When I want to tell you something, if you want to know what mainline historical Christianity is, go back to the book of Acts chapter 2 and have yourself a good read. And you'll find out that the Pentecostals don't, all those Methodists, Episcopalians, and so forth, they only go back two or three hundred years. We go back 2,000 years to the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And you know something? For the first couple of hundred years of the church, the church was moving in the power of God with signs and wonders, prophecy, healings, casting out devils for the first couple hundred years or so. And the only reason it waned was because the hierarchy of the church in Rome decided that they were going to begin to control the everyday believer and, 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 and basically say, they can't hear from God, only these bishops can hear from God. And the problem was, was by that time, the bishops, many of them weren't even saved. It was only a political position. And they begin to stifle the regular body of Christ. They were all meeting in house churches to the point where that if they moved in the power of God, prophecy, healing of the sick and those things, that they begin to persecute them and even martyr them. 
And so as a result, the power of God began to wane in the church. But I'm going to tell you something. The power of God may have waned, but it never went out. The story of the next 1,200 years or so was the story of pockets of, of, of born-again, spirit-filled believers rising up, you know, and moving in the power of God all down through the dark ages. And, and, and the, the, the organized church trying to stamp it out and persecute them and even kill them, but they never fully stamped it out. Are y'all with me now? All that happened a hundred years ago or so, places like the Welsh Revival and the Zusa Street, some of you may know what those things are, great revivals, was there was a renewal of historical Christianity. And I say that because, folks, I have a passion for this, that we today desperately need a Christianity that is evidenced by power, the power of God. We, in a relativistic society that we live in today where the, the gospel is hard to preach to some peoples because my truth is no better than their truth in their eyes, that they're equal in their eyes. It takes more than a message. It takes the evidence of that message by demonstrating the power of a resurrected Christ who is alive. Y'all listen to me. Ah, I remember I was witnessing to one young lady. She was in her 20s. She was, uh, she was from Finland, I think, and she was traveling America by backpack, and she was an atheist. A couple came over and got me. They said, we've been trying to witness to this young atheist girl. They said, but we can't get through to her. Would you come? And so I came over there, and I began to talk to her, and I gave her every theological um, argument that I could possibly give. And nothing would penetrate, you know, her, uh, her soul with my arguments. And so at the end, before I left, I said, can I just pray for you? Would you let me pray for you? And she said, sure. And I reached out my hand. She took my hand and I prayed for her. And when I prayed for this girl, she didn't know it, but when I was praying for her, I was secretly releasing the power of God on her. And as I did, I was praying, and all of a sudden I heard sniffling and crying, and I opened my eyes, and this girl started crying, and I was able to lead that girl to Jesus. She was, she was born again. Isn't that something? One, what all of my arguments wouldn't do, one demonstration of power accomplished. Folks, listen to me. My passion is this. God wants to use every single one of us in a demonstration of power. There is no such thing as Christians who just sit in a seat and just absorb and consume and then, you know, they go on and say, well, I'm going to read my Bible and pray and I'm going to go to church, but not move in the power of God. The power of God is not just for church services. It's for your everyday life. Somebody shout hallelujah. Thank you. I'll shake that bush again. Thank you. Now, listen to this. The thing is, is I want to basically run with you through, quickly with you through my story. And my story is an interesting one. And by this story, what I want to do is I want to give you some principles of truth that hopefully what I, what I want to do is help each of you to see 
how that this glory that you experience in this place, this present you experience, presence that you experience in this place, is not just for the services, but this is empower to empower you to go out and to become an instrument of God to go and touch the world around you. So many Christians don't see themselves as carriers of the power of God. They think they're too unspiritual or they're too whatever, too little, too big, too old, too young, whatever. But let me tell you something. The whole design of Spirit-filled Christianity is not to bless services, but it's to bless individuals to go and to carry the kingdom of God out into the world around them. And that's what I hope to you see out of my story tonight. Here's my story. My story is basically brought forth in three lessons God showed me. And with each lesson, there was, a, there was a, an, an experience that God gave me to confirm the lesson. Here's what, here's what happened. When I grew up as a kid in church, I grew up in a spirit-filled church. I saw tremendous things happen, miraculous things. I, there was a full-on move of God. I saw, I'll just give you an example. One night, there was a guy, an evangelist came to our church, and this guy, several years prior, had had an accident where his eye was destroyed, his left eye. And so they, back many years ago, you know, it's like almost 60 years ago, they, they took and they made a fake eye, crude-looking fake eye, and put it in there for aesthetic reasons. And, but obviously, you know, it's just a fake eye. And so anyway, a couple of years later, he's in a service like this, hands were laid upon him, and he was prayed for, and God did a miracle, and the man could see out of the fake eye. Now he comes to our church. He's telling his story. At the end of his story, he calls someone up each night, to, and he tells him to bandage up his good eye, his right eye, to where there's no way he could possibly see, and then he would ask them for some of their personal documents, and out of that fake eyeball, he would read their docu personal documents. And then for effect, you ready for this? He would take his finger and get behind that Bible and, and he would pop it out and he would hold his eyes, oh, eyelid open and through the empty socket, he would read their personal documents. Now, if you ever see anything like that, you'll be talking about it 60 years later also. I saw things like that as a kid, but as I grew up, it's like, you know, I, I went away from that. And, and because I saw some emotionalism and things like that with it, I think, you know, one of the great hindrances that people have, Christians have today, in moving in the power of God is they have this old idea of spirit-filled Christianity where you have to have the old baggage and the old language and the, all the old tradition with it. God wants a fresh, new breed of young people my, I always say my great passion is that, that, we, is that there just be a, a, a generation of normal people raised up who have a supernatural experience with God. None of that weirdness. And so anyway, I saw these things as a kid and I grew up. But the problem was, is that now I'm 19 years old and, and I had not, not now, but then I was 19 years old. And all the power... I had experienced was only corporately in the services. I had been a part of a crowd who saw miraculous things happen, but I never saw God do anything through me. You listen to me now. It never dawned on me that God could do those things through me. And then God began to speak to me. And the first thing that he spoke to me was this. The Lord spoke to me, <clears throat> 
And he says out of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Look at this verse of scripture. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, that's Paul's statement. And it seems like just a you know, nice little statement. But God spoke this to me, and it exploded inside me. Now, folks, listen, especially young people. Listen to this. I was 19 years old. I'd only, I never thought God could do anything through me. Then God speaks this verse to me, and here's what he says after I read it. He said, read the first phrase again. I read the first phrase. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Rick, you're dead. I said, I'm dead. He said, you're dead. He said, remember, now here's my story. When I was growing up as a kid, I wasn't very smart. In fact, my teachers, you know, in the seventh grade level brought my parents in and told them, you need to get Rick some kind of training with his hands because he's not smart enough to succeed with his brain. And so anyway, that's, that's the kind of life that I was in. I wasn't very smart. I wasn't very talented. You know, my brother was much more talented, and I wasn't good at sports. He was good at sports. He used to beat me at everything. And I was so mad that every time, I mean, we played baseball, and he beat me, and I hit him with a baseball bat. We played croquet, and he beat me, and I hit him with a croquet mallet. We played darts. He beat me, and I threw darts at him and hit him. You know, and then one day I chased him with a six-inch butcher knife. A six-inch knife. Fortunately, I didn't catch up with him that day. But anyway, so I lived as a young guy thinking, God can't ever do anything through me. I'm never going to amount to much. And then the Lord spoke to me said, Rick, you're dead, which means the old Rick Shelton with all of his limitations, all of his inabilities, all of his incapabilities, all the things he can't do, the people that says he'll never do, all that is dead. He said, here's what you have to understand, Rick. When I went to the cross, I didn't just take your sins to the cross. I dragged you there to the cross, and I nailed you to the cross with me. The old Rick Shelton is dead. He said, read on. I read on. It says, yet I live. I said, okay. He said, Rick, you're alive. I thought, okay, I'm dead, but I'm alive. Wow, that's crazy. He said, read on. It says, I'm alive, yet not I. So now I'm dead, but I'm alive, but it's not me. He said, I said, who is it? He said, it's Christ in me. He says, Rick, here's what you need to understand. He says that the old Rick with all of his limitations, all of his inabilities, all your personal resources are dead. So never again live out of your own personal resources. They're dead at the cross. I've raised up a new Rick in the new creation. And now that new Rick lives through the resources of Christ on the inside of you. Now you are not limited. You're only limited by the unlimited resources of Christ's wisdom, his power, his ability, his strength, his grace. You with me now? Now, wow, this is kind of crazy to me. Some of y'all look at me like, well, that's not anything great, but it was to me. I mean, just think if you was walking along on a street down here in Adelaide and somebody came up to you and they said, hey, you want to know something? I'm dead. <laughs> You're dead? Yeah. But hey, I'm alive. You're alive? Yeah. But it's not me. <laughs> somebody else is living in me. You think they're crazy. It was just that crazy to me. But the Lord says, you got to get this inside of you. I begin to realize from that point on that I had been living with a God of their consciousness instead of a God in here consciousness. 
Are you with me? If things begin to unfold to me like this, I begin to notice that Jesus, when he prayed, he prayed long, private, devotional prayers, but he prayed very short, public ministry prayers. When he was praying for ministry to get something accomplished, he, was, he would just say, go, come, be still, be open. They were, they, were, they were commands. The reason was because Christ was living with God on the inside of him. Y'all listen to me now. Do you get that? That God with all of his resources lives on the inside of you. Hallelujah. When God spoke this to me, then he took me to an experience. Here was the experience. I had now just begun in the ministry. And so I was in the ministry and I was having services at all these little churches and I was holding this week revival at this church, little church. It wasn't very big. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to put this into practice. The re God says, live out of the resources of Christ on the inside of you. I'm going to do that. And so I called people forth that night I said, for healing. I said, if you need healing, if you're sick, come here and I'm going to pray for you. And so they came up. There was only like about five people. And I came to the first lady. And this first lady, I said, what's wrong with you? And she lifted up her chin. And there was a growth on the outside of her neck about the size of a golf ball. And she says, I want God to, to heal this. And I just thought, God, this is my first one. Could, couldn't it be a headache or something like that? God, come on, a growth, or at least a growth on the inside where I could pray and say, go see the doctor tomorrow, and then you check it out. A growth on the outside of the neck. But then all of a sudden, listen to this. It hit me what God began to speak to me. And the old Rick Shelton stepped back. Watch this. I stepped back, said, no, Rick, it's not you doing this. I stepped back, and I let the resources of Christ step forward in me. And I laid hands on her with authority, prayed for her, and then I went along quickly. And I went to the next guy, and I started to pray for him. And then she cried. She started screaming. And I thought, my God, I've killed my first one. <laughs> I go back to her. I said, what's wrong, ma'am? And she lifted her head, and the growth was completely gone. It was a miracle. Now, folks, listen, I was only, you get this, I was 21 years old at the time and saw my first miracle. When you, I start seeing things like that after that, and let me tell you, you start seeing the, you ever have one growth like that go disappear by a miracle through your praying, and it'll ruin you forever for normal Christianity. Are you with me now? It'll make you a radical crazy person <laughs> like me. And so I went along like that. So now I begin to live out of this resources of Christ in me. And I said, it was beautiful. And every once in a while, a miracle would take place. But then there was a problem up until this point. Things would happen. Miracles would take place. Healings would take place. But they were sporadic. Here's how it worked. If I felt a big faith, big things would happen. If I felt real spiritual, then good things, things would happen. But if I, on days I felt unspiritual or not much faith, nothing would happen. The, 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 the manifestations of power would rise and fall with the ebb and flow of my spiritual temperature. Are y'all with me now? And then God took me to the second lesson. He said, I want to teach you something else. I said, okay, God, what is it? And the Lord spoke this to me. He said this to me. He said, Rick, I want to teach you about the open heavens. Now, I didn't have a clue what that meant. 
He said, I said, okay, Lord. And here's what the Lord said. He said, Rick, right now you're seeing healings and miracles taking place, but you're operating under an Old Testament concept of open heavens. I said, what's that, Lord? He said, in the Old Testament, he said, the way it worked was Israel, they would follow God and the heavens would be open, which means blessing and provision and things would come. And then when they would, their spiritual temperature would die down, then the heavens would close. The whole story of the Old Testament is the heavens opening and closing, opening and closing, opening and closing over God's people. He said, you're living under an Old Testament concept of open heavens. He said, you must understand. You ready for this? He said, you know when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by John? He said that when he came up out of the water, the Bible says that the heavens were open and like as a son of, like as a dove, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. The Lord told me, he said, from that moment forward, Jesus lived under a personal open heaven. It wasn't open over anybody else. It was just open over him. Now, folks, listen to this. And that's why he was moving fluently in these miracles and all these supernatural manifestations of power. He was living under a personal open heaven the next three and a half years. But he said, listen, he died and rose from the grave. And then 50 days later, when the Holy Spirit came, listen to this, he broke a massive hole in the heavens and he came down and descended upon the people and like with the divided tongues of fire and, and, and mighty roaring wind and, and all of those things and he filled all who were in the room. Listen, he said, God opened the heavens that day and the Lord took me then over to Acts chapter eight. He said, look at the story of Stephen. When Stephen was being stoned, to death before he died. Now, folks, this was two years after the day of Pentecost when the heavens were open. He said, look at this. When Stephen was dying, he looked up and he said, I see the heavens opened. The Lord said, see, that's two years after the heavens were opened over everybody and they've not been closed since. The Lord said, tell me, when did I close them? Are you with me now? And God says this, listen, he said, you must understand that the heavens are always open. This stuff of people crying out for the heavens to open. Oh, God. You know, you ever hear people say, oh, come, Lord Jesus, come, please come, Holy Spirit, please come, 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 please come, 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 come. How in the world can you ask somebody to come who's already here? Do you get what I'm saying? Folks, this, what I'm saying is this. You've got to understand that if you realize what's on the inside of you, you don't need God to do anything else. You don't need God to appear into you. You need to have an awakening of what's on the inside of you, that the heavens have been opened over your life. Y'all with me now? Once I saw that, listen to this. God says, listen, therefore what that means, the heavens are open. He said, that means, listen, whether you're feeling spiritual or not, or big faith or not, he said, the manifestations of God's power doesn't depend on your spirituality. It depends upon the resources of Christ that's on the inside of you. He said, I want to show you something. He took me to another experience. Y'all still with me tonight? Listen to this. I'm trying to teach you and help you. Listen. So he took me to this experience. Now I was preaching in another little church. It was in the state of Texas. And I was preaching in this town this week of revival again. We called it revival, but it wasn't really much revival. But, you know, and I preached my heart out. And I laid hands on these people. And I'll be honest with you, it was the deadest church I'd ever been in. And I've never been in a church so dead since that time. 
It was so dead. It's like if, 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 if someone would have died of a heart attack, the paramedics would have had to go through every row to find out which one it was. <laughs> it was bad, really bad. And I was so frustrated because nothing was happening through me. I mean, now there was an expectation in me of something happening. Y'all with me now? And nothing was happening. It was deader than a doornail. And I was so frustrated that the next day, in preparing for that next night's service, I got up and I developed a message just for them. And I entitled the message, The Church is on the Birth Control Pill. And I preached that night how that the church wants to make love to Jesus, but they don't want to produce anything. Well, that didn't go over very well. In fact, the revival ended early. And, and, I, and, and, and I was so frustrated. Into that meeting, I got up the next morning. Now, listen to me very carefully. I was so frustrated. And now the next morning, I decided, all right, I'd been praying and fasting and everything for those meetings, and nothing happened. Now, God's showing me this thing about the open heavens. The next morning, I get up, and I thought, you ever thought like this? So today, that's it. I'm tired. I'm just going to be carnal. Doesn't mean sinful. I'm just going to be carnal. I don't want to do anything spiritual. And I told my wife, I said, let's drive around town, and let's just kind of see what the town's like. And we found our way into this one neighborhood that was a mobile home. I don't know what you call them, but, you know, they're like permanent homes, but they bring them in on wheels and set them up. You know what I'm saying? I was driving through this, and I saw in the midst of that a caravan. And we had been looking for a caravan, you know, to pull behind our car because we were traveling all the time. And I looked, and I said, that's a nice caravan. I said, I want to go up there and ask them where they got that. I got out of the car, went up, knocked on the door, and a woman answered the door. And when she answered the door, it was obvious that this woman was in severe pain. I mean, you could see it etched in her face. I mean, her hair wasn't fixed up, no makeup. She, she was just, you could tell that this woman was barely existing. Something was severely long, wrong. And I apologized for interrupting her. I said, all I want to know is where you got this. She told me, and I said, thank you. And I closed the door, and I went after the car. When I went out to the car, I told my wife about this woman. I said, you can't believe this woman. And then my wife said to me, she said, Rick, did you pray for her? And I thought, I never thought of that. I mean, we're not in church, you know. The music's not playing. And it all of a sudden hit me that God was speaking to me about the open heaven. The heavens don't open and close when the service opens and shuts. Ah! Ah! The heavens are open on Monday morning and Tuesday night and Wednesday afternoon. Hallelujah. And so anyway, all of a sudden I jumped out of the car. I went back up there and I told this woman, I said, I'm sorry for interrupting again. I said, but listen, I got to tell you, I'm a Christian. I believe in praying for the sick. I've seen people healed. Would you mind if I pray for you? She said, oh, please do. We're Catholic. And so anyway, I said, okay, I prayed for her, prayed, I released, I stepped back again, the old Rick, I let God step forward, and I prayed with authority. When I did, I just thanked her, I closed the door, and I left. I didn't plan on going back, but the next morning, I got up and I said, Donald, let's go check on that woman. When I went back, I forgot to tell you that the woman told me the disease she had, she was dying from a disease that was eating away at the bones in her face. And she said, the bones were so eaten away that if I would touch them, you could press them in like rubber. But it's so painful that she had been on 24 morphine pills every day for two years. And so I go back the next day. When I knock on the door, 
She opens the door. She bounces out like this, makeup on, hair done up, big smile on her face. She's all vibrant and bouncy. I said, what happened to you? She said, oh. She said, I'm so glad you came. She said, it's amazing. She said, after you left here, within about an hour, there began this crazy sensation of tingling in my face. And she says, it wouldn't stop. And after about an hour, the pain started going away. And within a couple hours, the pain was completely gone. I flushed all my morphine pills down the toilet. I haven't had one since. She says, within a she, hey, hey, oh, oh, oh. I like this. She says, by the time evening time came, she says, all the bone structure had hardened in my face, and she made me slap the side of her face. It was completely hard. She said, I'm healed. It was wonderful. I was so excited. And she said, oh, but that's not all. I said, what? She said, you know, we're Catholic. My husband, when I, he came home last night, I was all fixed up and bubbly, and he saw that I wasn't in any pain. And he said, what happened? I told him what happened and says that he started crying. I said, what's wrong? He said, oh. He said, you don't know, last night, he said, I came to the end of myself. And he said, I got down before, on beside the bed before I went to bed, and I cried out, and I said, God, I don't even believe you're real anymore. But if you are real, you've got to send somebody to our house to help us. And he said, God is real, because he sent somebody to help us. Oh, I begin to realize what it means to be an instrument in the hands of God, not in the midst of a service, but out there in the workplace and in the neighborhood. Folks, wherever you go, that's, that's what you're supposed to be, moving in the presence and the power of God. Ah, I was so excited. From that time forth, I began to see miracles and signs. Oh, my goodness, my time is up. Anyway, <laughs> listen to this. I'll tell you the third thing. God spoke one more thing to me. The third thing God spoke to me was this. He said, Rick, I want to teach you how that I provide my own fire. Now listen to this. I said, God, what do you mean by that? He said, when you look at the story of Moses, when he saw the burning bush, he saw the bush on fire, but it wasn't consumed. I said, yeah. He said, you know what my message was to Moses? Here's what it was. He said, when a fire sets a bush on fire, it always consumes the bush because it's using the bush as fuel to burn the fire. He says, but when I set the fire on the bush, the bush wasn't consumed because I wasn't using the bush to, 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 to fuel the fire. I was providing my own fire. All the bush was doing was providing a bush. I said, okay, God, I don't get it yet. He said, Rick, all you are is a bush. He said, and I said, yes. He said, I want to show you what I mean. God led me into a la my last experience. The last experience was this. Then shortly after that, a woman comes to me. I was in the church, and I was praying one day. And this woman comes, and she said, are, are you a minister? I said, yes. She said, do you believe in casting out devils? I said, well, you know, I prayed for the sick by that time, but I never cast out a devil. Never really thought I wanted to, you know. And I, I says, I, well, I've never done it. But I said, I know Jesus did, and I believe it's in the Bible. She says, well, I want to know if you would cast one out of me. I said, how do you know that you've got a devil? And she began to tell me her story. After a couple minutes, I said, stop. You've got a demon, all right? You've got one. And so I said, okay, I'm going to pray. And as I began to pray, I, I, I'd never done this before. And so I only did what I'd seen other preachers do. And other preachers were quite aggressive 
in the way they did it. And so I said, okay, stand there. And here's what I did. I jumped forward, grabbed her head, and I started shaking it back and saying, come out! Come out! I did that for a while and nothing happened. Then I started changing my tactic. Go! Go! Please! Please! I mean, I was shouting. I was jumping. I was shaking her. I was everything. I was trying to shake that devil out. After about an hour, I was all worn out and sweat, full of sweat, and so was she. And I was, and after about an hour of this, all of a sudden, this demon in her started laughing at me, mocking me. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha. That's an intimidating thing. The demon was laughing through her, mocking at me. I was so humiliated. Then I said to the woman, I said, you know what? I said, I need to take a break. I said, I, I, I said I'm going to go over here and pray and talk to the Lord a minute. I said, would you just stay? Matter of fact, you and the demon, both of you, just stay right here. <laughs> and I'm going to go over here and pray. And I went over and I talked to the Lord. Now listen to this. It's very important. And I said to God, I said, God, I've done everything I know to do. I don't know what else to do. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, Rick, he said, you're trying to provide your own fire. He said, you're depending on your own energy, your own voice, your own. You know, sometimes we speak with authority, but then we like, we like to make ourselves sound like we have authority. He said, Rick, here's what I want you to do. And don't get stuck on what the Lord told me. It was just the obedience to this point. The Lord said, I want you to go back there and I want you to do this. He said, go back and sing. There's an old song called, Oh, the Blood of Jesus. He said, go back and start walking around her calmly. Don't even look at her. Just walk around her over and over and sing, oh, the blood of Jesus. And I walked back over. After an hour of all those gyrations, I walked back over and I started walking around and I sang, oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. I did that for three or four or five times. And all of a sudden, I noticed that there was no laughing. And I decided to peek, and I looked up, and what I saw was this. I thought, oh, the blood of Jesus. Man, I went for it. You know, I kept walking around her until that demon just kind of like contorted her and screwed her into the ground until she fell out unconscious on the ground. She was out for a handful of minutes. When she came to, there was this purity in her eyes, this cleanness in her soul. She was a brand new woman. She got up. That woman was free, and she was a member of our church for 25 years after that. And I, God began to teach me this. He said, Rick, he said, the reason many people don't move in the power of God is because they think too much of it depends upon them. He said, you got to understand, listen, nothing depends on you. All I require from you is obedience. And I say this tonight, preach this message to you with this hope. If there's just a handful here tonight to grab hold of what I grabbed hold back at that time, it will change your life for the rest of my history. It's, it's been completely different. I've seen so many miracles take place. Don't disqualify yourself. God wants to use you. Start in your own household. When that little child gets a fever, you believe God. You believe God for the thing to change. You have the power of God on the inside of you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 